You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Devil Tree Studios. This is the Utah Man Podcast. I'm Cameron. We got Ryan. What's up, Ute Nation? And we got Scott. How we doing? That was on you. That's on you. I'd hate to be that referee. Oh, man. <laughs> it, got, it got lit up. <laughs> so the Utes lose 28-23 to 23 to Cal. Uh, so we're going to be t- breaking down that game, give you a little preview to Arizona. We have a big guest tonight. We're going to be joined by Matt Moreno from GoAZCats.com, part of Rivals. And he'll kind of give you, you know, his take on Arizona and really help break down this Wildcat team. Um, and, of course, you can catch us at our home at utahmanpodcast.com. And we're brought to you by our great friends at Doubletree Suite by Hilton in Salt Lake City downtown, 110 West, 600 South, 801-359-7800. All right, so let's just get into it right now. Utah loses to Cal. Ouch. What a way to lose. I'm still trying to rack my brain. How did they lose this game? They did everything they needed to do. Control possession, keep Cal's offense off the field, they, look limit how turnovers. Here, I'll, tell you. Still I'll tell couldn't. you. Okay, I'll tell you. Go. The ball didn't go in the hoop. <laughs> they didn't. Hey, they didn't Boylan, welcome back. <laughs> We're getting better. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, just like you said, great game plan by, by A-Rod, by Harding, by this offensive staff, you know, Keep keep Cal on the sideline, control the ball, get first downs, drain the clock, limit their possessions, and we did it. We did it to a T. 42 minutes to 18 minutes. I mean, that is insane. We ran 97 plays to their 49. Outgained them by 80 yards. We had 29 first downs to their 17. We won the turnover battle. We outgained them, like you said, Ryan, and yet we still came up short that is what's frustrating is we really within the game did so many things correct and executed the game plan really very well other than finishing drives which Whittingham harps on all the time and it just it's the Achilles heel as good as we are as good as we are running the ball and we're known as a power team we're known for being physical Man, there's times where we're just not. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at back at that. You've got earlier in the game, you've got the missed field goal. Granted, it was it was a 48 yarder. It was not a chip shot, and he didn't hit it well. So he didn't. He didn't really go after it. No, at didn't. least it didn't appear like he really went after it. It was just, and you know, whether it's the toe, I'm I'm, I'm assuming it's the toe that. Uh, is yeah. affecting him, but uh, yeah, that was well short. Well, then you've got the fourth down conversion that you don't you don't take the field goal there versus then you turn it over on downs, and that was if an, I forget it was in the red zone or close to the red zone. Oh, we were we were, we were in the red zone. Yeah, we'll we'll talk we'll talk about that. And then of course the end of the game. So there's three possessions right there. You what? come away with no points. Yeah, I mean that's 17 points we left off the board. All we needed was five. So it uh, that hurt. That was a tough, tough loss for for the program. 
I think a lot of it when, you know, rewatching the game and whatnot, and I think a lot of it just comes down to the youth and inexperience of the offense. Because we're asking players that have never been in this situation before perform at a high level. And I know, you know, they're college players. This is what their fifth game. They should be there. But a lot of them only their second road game. But a lot of them aren't battle tested in those situations yet. Well, correct, and and you're gonna see that really with every school. You know, every school's got young guys in there, um, inexperienced in certain positions. Well, and I'm not trying to use that as an excuse, but that's really the only thing I can think of when I watch this game and I see we were set up to have success. So before we go any further, I really want to talk about the goal line stop at the end of the game. Get your guys' opinion on it. Who do you think's to blame? Is it the players, play calling, kind of wits game management, or kind of all of the above? I don't know. I mean, it was definitely a hectic scenario there where, you know, obviously the whole timeout fiasco. I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't I, think you can blame it on game management. They did what they needed to do in working the clock down so that you don't give the ball back to Cal because they can score so quickly. Well, and and in doing so, Witt had two timeouts. He did, and and the refs blew it. Just kidding. Well, but I mean, we that was unfortunate, and that was really bad. And I don't know. I mean, what on earth is that referee thinking? But we still had three opportunities from the two yard line. No, you can't put it to on. get Very the ball true. into the into the end zone, and we didn't. And, you know, whether it's because we weren't in, uh, you know, a goal line, we didn't go under center, whatever, whatever the scenario is, the thing, the thing to me, obviously, we're known for running. We ran the ball nearly 57 times in that game. And Cal knew what was coming, which is why I liked the Flatomo AI, because I think it caught him off guard. We just didn't execute. I think he didn't, Williams didn't let it develop enough. He, he saw it was open and he just went, he just well, kind of looked almost like he panicked. And it wasn't bit. that good of a throw. It was kind of behind him and above him and he kind of had to reach back. I think even if he would have caught it where the ball was placed, I don't know that he would have got in. If it was a good throw. He would have probably had to break a tackle to get in there. But, but if he lets it develop. If he lets it develop and he continues to run out, if that defender comes, comes to, to him, him then he's he can wide throw open. it over the top. Or if he doesn't, he can walk in. But it's easy to sit there and say, oh, you know, after the fact, well, he should have done this, this, you know. But in those situations, that is when you've got to execute. When the game's on the line, good players execute. That last play was tough, though, because if you rewatch it, which obviously us at home have the the ability to rewatch it, they don't. They see what they see when the play is happening, and you just go with it. But well, you see Asiata pulling, and that's where the play is supposed to go, and he cuts back the other way, and it's game over. Winningham said today in the presser that Zach saw the guy coming in from the corner of his eye and thought he could get around. And uh, so that's why he cut it back. But, uh, I mean, you can't fault the guy. I mean, he, he thought he could do it. It didn't work out, but... Uh, Painful loss because it was right there. As we mentioned, we dominated the game. Um, you know, and and we we'll get into defense here in a little bit. But uh, defensively, only giving up twenty eight points. 
not not that bad considering they're they're averaging 42 a game so definitely disappointing but i think there's definitely room for improvement some highlights raylon singleton turned into our go-to guy when patrick went out and produced he, he was he made some good big time he catches. was solid that's two weeks in a row he's really performed well um and uh, simpkins on third down, had that nice spin move to mm-hmm. uh, to get the first down. Great, great. He's he's a playmaker. He catches everything that's thrown to him. He needs to play more. And he's he's got the ability. It just seems like just to go make plays. So, yeah, we need to continue to feed him the ball. But, I mean, there's definitely, you know, Smith had that great touchdown catch, but a few drops early on that uh, um, he's got to sure up. And d- does A-Rod remember that McCormick is on this team? Yeah, I, I, he didn't play much in the past two games. He hasn't seen the field too much, and which kind of surprises me. Well, and Winningham said today that he is injured. That's true. And maybe, and, but, maybe it's gone back a couple of games, and that's why they're... But he was in there. He was in on that third down draw play um, in the in the second half, and... Uh, you know, I I don't know. Obviously, the coaches know what's going on. They know the personnel, and they know the the health of all these guys. But Cameron and I were talking about this as we were watching the game. I I really think that they're misusing McCormick. They're just not utilizing him enough. Well, I don't think they're. Putting I, I him agree in. with that too. But I don't I don't think he he should be used as a running back. No. They got to they got to give him the ball in, in space. open space where he can make plays. Well, and that that's where I think coming into the season we all thought he would be kind of a Brent Castile type player or a Bubba Pool. You know where he's he's motioning out of the backfield exactly. into the slot or from the slot into the backfield, maybe used in the option, which don't get me on this, but we got to get rid of the option. That option play was awful because I love Williams he can't run the option. He's not aggressive enough on it. He just runs sideways, doesn't ever attract or attack a defender and make them come to Commit, him. Yeah. And it's it we've yet to be successful with that. And the fade route. I never want to see another oh. fade route. <laughs> we yeah, we kinda went off when that happened too on the two point conversion. I was like, Oh no, of all the plays to pull out, that one. But, you know, going back to McCormick, yeah, I mean He's dynamic. We saw that in the first game against SUU. We utilized him. We threw the ball a lot to him in that first game, and look what he did. And he's so fast and, we, and quick. We're not it's even just... attempting to throw the ball to him anymore. So, Which surprises me because last year, before he got injured and Covey took his spot, he was slated to be the starting slot, which is, I think, a perfect place for him to utilize his speed, and he's got great hands, and I... I just think they're he's in the wrong position, my opinion. So we, before we move off of the offense, one thing I really want to talk about, Whittingham's decision to keep going for it on fourth down. I like he the maybe aggressiveness. maybe got greedy, and they got stopped. You know it was going to come and to I know, an end at some it, time. It's easy the next day to say, oh, they should have kicked it. We're 9 for 10 on the year. That's that's in one heck of okay. a percentage. There's, the streak's not going to go... On and on and on, it's gonna end, and it's too especially, bad. Especially when you're predictable in it. Yeah. yeah, this is why I didn't like it. When you're trailing, you gotta get points when you can get them. He went for it. They didn't get it. We still battled back. We still had a chance to win the game. 
So I was all right with it until his press conference today when Winningham says field goals don't cut it in the red zone. They don't. You got to get touchdowns. I know. Touchdowns is king. I know that. But you got to get points when you can get them. Well, okay. But remember this, Cam. Our field goal kickers injured. Not healthy. Now, granted, this was this was not a forty-eight yarder Thank like you. like we missed in the first Thank half. You. But I love Andy Andy Phillips, and he's a great kicker. But he being injured, I think that throws a big wild card into things where you cannot rely. I mean, in years past, we were thrilled. It seemed like Whittingham's goal was to get in field goal range just so he could. I know, and, and and just play for the field goal. And, and I know, and I criticized him for it, and now I'm being a hypocrite saying that they should have settled for the field goal. But when he's up there and he's telling that field goals aren't going to cut it in the red zone, we need points. We're not scoring. We're not finishing in the red zone. This team hasn't been successful in the red zone all through July and August in practices, and it's not translating it over into the season to be successful. If you look so why the crap are you not getting points when you need to? If you look at it from his perspective, though, coming into that game, what well, they were eight for their last eight on conversions on fourth downs. He has a mindset that they're going to get it every time. And he's in, he's that mindset's gone over to the players and the players think they're going to get it every time. Now, sometimes it's going to backfire and it did. And looking back, you think, yeah, you should have taken the points, but when you've only got one yard to pick up and you've consistently been picking them up, I think you got to side with the, I mean, not not to mention, we're just coming off a game against USC where the game's on the line. We have a chance to kick a field goal, and we went for it and ended up winning the game as a result. Yeah, but I think this is entirely different, though. No, the game's on the line in this situation. No, because if they kick it and they get the PAT instead of trying to go for two and don't get it, that's four points they leave off the board. So it's 27-28. All they need is a field goal at the end of the game. Yeah, exactly, but... In that situation, he didn't necessarily know all of those factors. I and I know, I know, it's very easy for me to sit here, you know, forty eight hours later second and second guess it. The, the thing, but here's you, you. I like him being aggressive, but you gotta be able to know when to pull back. Well, I I agree, but here's the deal: as a fan base, we have been so vocal for so long about our offense and our lack of offense and our lack of aggression. And this is what what Whittingham is doing now is what this fan base has been clamoring for forever. We want him to take chances. We want him to be more aggressive. We don't want it to settle for that field goal, and he's doing it. So, in my opinion, that should be applauded. Yes, it didn't go well. Well, that yeah, that sucks. But at the end of the day, I would rather fail being aggressive than fail being so conservative. Which we've done so and, many times. And I'm not no, saying listen, he, no, listen, no. Listen. I'm not saying he has to be completely conservative like old Winningham. But, but okay, but you can't be reckless with how aggressive you're being. Okay, but you got to be able in that same to pull scenario, it back a little bit. We say, okay, it's fourth down. We're going to kick a field goal. Wonder if Andy Phillips goes out there and shanks it and pulls it and it hits the upright and it, it, it's in the same boat. Yeah, it, it's not a guaranteed with an injured kicker that you're going to get come away with the three points. I think you have a better chance at kicking a chip shot field goal than getting your ninth for ninth, fourth down. Okay, but in the heat of the moment, after being perfect for this entire season, fourth and one, 
In that moment, did you think this was a mistake? We should have kicked the field goal in the moment. Yes, I did. I, I turned to Ryan and I said, "They need to kick it here. They need points." I, I, he did say that, but in my mind, I'm going. They're going to pick it up. They, they've consistently picked it up, and I was surprised when, you, when, when they you're a hundred percent on the season. Whittingham is a percentage guy. He goes with the percentages. They were a hundred percent so far on the season. So, of. I didn't question it. I even after the fact, I don't question. Did it stink that we didn't pick it up? Yeah, but that's football, and to an extent, part of that is we gotta we gotta not be so predictable on on some of these possessions. And I think that's part of our problem. You talk about predictable. Just a second. Every fourth down play is the same. No, that's play. what I was just gonna talk about. But that's what I'm saying. In the red zone, or whether it's fourth down, yeah, we do need to get some different looks, maybe different personnel, different formations, and run, run some different plays out of it. I agree. But still going into that play, we're at 100%. You can't argue that. You just can't. When when you're that successful at it, nobody's just going to change. And as, as bad as it was to lose that, to not get that fourth down and end up losing the game, there's there seems to be so much doom and gloom, especially in social media, about the loss. It's not the end of the season. It's not the end of the world. It's it's a loss to a northern division team. It's not going to come back and yeah, haunt but us it's, in a tiebreaker. It's a, it's a it's, Sunny Dykes coach team, and this just never <laughs> feels good to lose to Sunny Dykes. Agreed. But we still have the the whole South Conference ahead of us. We've already knocked off USC. We own the tiebreaker there. I get Whittingham no. said today that their destiny is in their own hands. They're one loss against the Northern Division teams not no, it's going to break the season. But you you look, you still got UCLA on the road. Oh, it's not easy. You've got a great Washington no. team coming to town. You know, heck, we haven't been. We're highly favored, but we haven't beaten Arizona since first year in the Pac-12, which we're, was not coached under Rich Rod. We're at Colorado. We're at Colorado. Who's well. looking good? I mean, you. There's no gimmies. They're going to be but as or... bad as Oregon has looked at this year. That that's still not a gimme win. There's any team is capable of beating anybody any given week, and so when you take that loss, it hurts because we all expect there's there's probably more to come just because of how good the conference is. But I think Ryan, you bring up a good point though. This isn't the Mountain West anymore. No, no. You're going to lose games in the Pac-12. For sure. It's going to happen. Uh, and and when, I think majority of people understand that, and I don't think they're fighting I mean, that. Look at, look what but just you never want to lose. Look what just happened to Stanford this weekend. Seventh-ranked team in the country, and they got smoked. And they're not that bad of a team. They're not a team that no, they lose not. by 40 but points. But I don't think they're a seventh-ranked team either. They may not be, but they're... They they're not a team that's going to get smoked by thirty points every week no. either. That was it. It happens. So Ryan, you brought up social media. There's one thing I kind of wanted to just quickly talk with you guys. Is this team peaked under Winningham? Oh my heavens! Move on, Absolutely <laughs> move on. Not. Hey, do you guys? Remember I had to throw that out there after San Jose State. What I said about Shine? No, refresh our memories. I said this was during the Moss hype. That he would he would challenge for the starting position. Boom, week six starter. He's not even on the depth chart. That's as bold as predicting. <laughs> that's as bold as oh, saying that oh, Marcus oh, Williams oh, is your outbreak even, player. Oh, whatever. That's not Stop. anywhere near. I think I was the one. He was third stringer in that time. Fall camp that said that he looked just like Booker. 
He does. So thank you. It's wearing the same number. That helps. Went to same JC. <laughs> no, you know what? I love to throw that nugget out there. <laughs> I I really like Shine. No, he's great. I I do too. I he and Moss are phenomenal. They they're, they're probably they're gonna make a great. They're tandem. probably the best backup running back in the country. Thanks. I'll love Denver. BYU. Thanks, Denver. Now I between Moss and Moss is gonna learn from that. And uh, Shine has shown very well. You know, McCormick, if he is banged up, hopefully he can get healthy. Um, and then, you know, we've we've got to replace JJ, who's lost for the season. We learned today. So yeah, it's too bad about Dillman, though. It that's that's tough. And I, but I'll say that when Lowe came into the game, he had a couple of bad snaps early on. But I think he really calmed down and did a decent job. As the yeah, game I mean, right? really, I he really did. Once he got the jitters out, like he said, he played really well low yeah a little shady to start obviously you know he was pretty amped up and a little got some nerves there but i thought he settled in pretty good and uh, he protected well um seemed to do his job i'm not a coach and i'm not grading him but uh, he seemed to do his job pretty good throughout the rest of the game so um you know really it's unfortunate to lose jj like that senior year all that he's put into this program and he only gets to he Probably his career's done at Utah. So that's... Uh, Asiata, I don't know if, you, if any of you guys out there follow him. He's pretty... He tweeted out that the he's pretty upset about it. So they've, they've pretty much played their career side by side. Okay, so I think that kind of does it for the offense. The defense showed really well, especially for having so many guys out and getting a lot of true freshman playing time. They played well, well, and that's a hard assignment. I mean, Porter goes out. You're you're bringing in a Blackman, a true freshman, Burgess, a true freshman, and they've got to cover Richardson, who's got blazing speed, and Chad Hansen, who's the leading NC, re, receiver in NCAA yeah. right now. So, Blackman did give up that touchdown late to Chad. DB struggled in that game. That's but that's how they did struggle, and but that's how Cal operates. You think, yeah, those were unfortunate that we gave up the four touchdown passes. But when you think back, if you would have said going into that game, we hold them to 28 points, well, I'd no. say we got a chance. But And we did. No, we did no it, exactly. I, I think the number 28 was great. To hold them to 28, yeah, I think that definitely exceeds expectations, right? They're averaging 42 a game. It's how we gave up the 28. You know, we, we gave them up on plays of 40 yards, 39 yards, 24 yards, and 56 yeah, yards. Big plays. Mm-hmm. Big chunk yardage. Instead of instead of making them march down and put 8 to 12 yard or 8 to 12 plays in a row together, um, you know, giving up those big chunk plays hurt. Um, but, I mean, they're, they're talented for a reason. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, Brian Allen can bounce back. You know, Thomas, Thomas he, has been struggling. this he year. He has been struggling. You know, even just to make tackles, stay, you know, in coverage. I don't know if he's Maybe dealing he's with anything. Too. I don't know. Um, but we really need a good bounce back effort um, by the defensive backfield. Obviously, your boy Marcus Williams, they they avoided him like the plague, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it's why he his name was really not called all that often in that game is because he was really nowhere to be seen. They just would I, – I think Webb did a very good job of of keeping him out of play with his eyes, mm-hmm. 
taking yeah. him to one side and throwing to the other. Well, and they and they obviously and, and, they, and they're, they scheme it well. They do, well. and they obviously well when when Blackman came into the game and got picked on twice and gave up the touchdown. Obviously, they knew young and inexperienced and went at him, which which is smart on their part. Yeah, but I mean, I you know Whittingham. After, afterwards to express uh, a lot of confidence in both Burgess and, and Blackman and heck we're going to need those guys next year we lose we lose pretty much everybody at corner next year so we're going to have plenty of reps for all of those guys so it, it is good to get them some experience this year to help them going into next year um, but we we need we need Porter back and, and hopefully hopefully these guys can bounce back what do you guys think about the linebacker play? I think uh, Tatioli, I think, has been a stud all year, and I think Whittingham agrees with that. But I think I don't. I kind of get the impression that Whittingham's not t- too impressed right now with with Barton or Kavika. Well, well, Barton Barton didn't even take a defensive snap until late in the first quarter, so Kavika got the start. The um, last two games, they've kind of been MIA. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the linebacker showed. Showed well, you know, especially how they were used against Cal. It's I mean, I mean, true. And Cal's throwing it all over. Your linebackers really and, and that for the most part, we, sh- we stopped the run. I think only gave up about fifty-six yards of of rot, uh, rushing offense to them. So we did we did well there. Um, it was just the secondary that kind of had had some weak moments, but overall, as a defense, they had a lot of good drives and they got off the field on third down a number of times. And like you said, the magic number of 28 that we all thought, hey, if we could keep them under 30, well, there's no way these guys are beating us, which I think goes back to the to the disappointment from the offense. We got we all, we got all excited after USC. Hey, the, we got an offense now. We're we're breaking out, and then we're going up against the 117th ranked defense in the country and only put up 23. That that's the frustrating part. All right, so I think that'll kind of wrap it up for our, our Cal Talk, and it looks like we have Matt Moreno on the phone, so let's bring him in. So joining us on the phone now, we have Matt Moreno from GoAZCats.com. Matt, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. So first off, I kind of want to know what's the feeling around Tucson? What are the fans thinking about these Wildcats right now? Well, obviously any any program and any fan base is going to want to see their team win, and uh, even though Arizona, a couple of their earlier losses were, were closer, um, and toward the end of the game, one was in overtime, uh, one was on a last-second field goal to start the season against BYU, but uh, obviously things kind of came to a head against UCLA on Saturday. Uh, not the type of game Arizona fans wanted to see, but uh, I think the biggest thing right now is, is when you look at, um, from the fans' perspective, uh, the injuries. Arizona's got a ton of injuries this season. Uh, the injury uh, report keeps growing each week, and it's, it's notable guys, it's significant guys, starters, um, guys that Arizona needs to be uh, needs to be on the field to to play it to its full potential. But um, a lot of fans see that, and it's just kind of a, a repeat of last year. When there's a lot of what happened last year, Arizona got hit really hard with injuries, uh, especially at the linebacker spot. And this year, it's really hit the running back position. And um, I think it's just a sense of frustration. But uh, there's really not a lot you can do about injuries, and I think fans are just kind of searching for answers right now. So speaking of injuries, I mean, Anu Solomon starts out the season a quarterback against BYU, gets injured. Dawkins comes in, uh, was injured last game. So now you're on your third stringer, Khalil Tate, true true freshman. Is that correct? 
Yeah, that's correct. So what uh, what uh, what does Tate bring to the table? Well, obviously you mentioned true freshman. He's a guy that Arizona did not want to play this season. Uh, Rich Rodriguez kind of been asked uh, every week, kind of his status and uh, what's going on with the little Tate. I asked him earlier in the season, kind of just uh, what are they doing to kind of keep him engaged because he's only 17 years old. He's not going to turn 18 until uh, the end of October, so he's still got a couple weeks of being 17 and a uh, really young freshman. Um, but he is the future. He's he's kind of the guy of the future, and that's one of, one of the reasons they wanted to redshirt him. Uh, they really didn't want to have to play him. They were leaving that option open just in case uh, something like this happened. Uh, and and in, in this kind of scenario, it, it did happen. And Arizona was forced to play him against UCLA. Um, but he's a guy that, that has all the intangibles that Rich Rodriguez likes. Uh, he really fits the mold of a guy that uh, Rich Rodriguez has had success with in the past, whether it's been at West Virginia or Michigan, um, a running quarterback. Uh, I've, I've watched him for the last couple of years, even going back to when he was in high school. And, um, but the one thing you see with him is, is he's not uh, that typical running quarterback that's going to be a speedy guy. He's got some elusiveness. He's fast, but he's got some elusiveness, and he'll take the guy head on. And that's what he's doing a lot uh, in his college debut against UCLA. He was uh, trucking a couple guys over and uh, really not afraid to, of contact. And that's something I'm sure the staff will talk to him about. But uh, now Arizona's kind of in a, an interesting position because they still have uh, Honest Solomon is kind of injured, but he could potentially play. Uh, Brandon Dawkins is in a super serious injury from the sound of it. And now you have uh, Quill Tate, who's also who burned his red shirt against UCLA. And kind of stuck with, well, what do we do now? Do you play him? Or uh, I mean, you don't necessarily want to pull a guy just to play him for, for a quarter and a half. So uh, Rich Rodriguez found himself in an interesting spot uh, going into this week's game. Hey, Matt, I know uh, Nick Wilson's been dinged up the past few games. What's his status going into this week's game? He was he was a questionable guy going into into the UCLA game. Um, if Arizona, the way they do their injury report, it can go either way with questionable guys. Sometimes that means they're definitely not playing. Sometimes that means there's a better chance. Uh, with Nick Wilson, it was, it was a good chance he was going to play. He practiced during the week, um, was able to get on the field, um, started for Arizona. And the way Arizona works and just the way uh, we, we in the media have kind of learned about Rich Rod is that uh, if a guy's good enough to get on the field and get one carry, if he's a running back, he's going to be good enough for them to ride for 20 carries if they need it. So uh, I didn't think there was going to be any limitations with the amount of carries he got, but uh, even during warm-ups, he didn't look as crisp as, as I've seen him before. Uh, he looked like he might be favoring that ankle a little bit. He had, a, he had an ankle injury uh, early on in the season. That's what he's been battling so far. But didn't look his most crisp, and I think you could see that in warm-ups. And then obviously got in the game, re-injured it, um, and knocked him out of that game. And uh, now they're using uh, a slot receiver that they, have to, they had to move to, to running back just to kind of uh, shore up some things. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens this week with Nick Wilson. But my guess is that he doesn't end up playing, but that's, that's a big blow if Arizona can't have him go again. Interesting. Uh, so, Ute fan, the big question with Ute fans, and I guess you could say the frustration, is ever since Rich Rod came to town, Utah is 0-4 against them. And, you know, all of Whittingham's teams, they're known for defense, they're known for rush, uh, for stopping the run, but against Rich Rod in four tries have been unable to do it. What what is made, What makes Rich Rod so effective against Kyle Whittingham's defense? Well, I think the biggest thing, and I think it's what makes them successful against any team when they're really running their offense right, um, it's the running quarterback. I think when you have that element in the offense, it obviously makes the defense play all 11 guys. They're not just having a quarterback back there. It's just handing the ball off and, and taking a step back and watching the play develop. Uh, you have to you have to treat the quarterback as another running threat. Um, 
I think, again, having a capable running back like a guy like Nick Wilson has helped Arizona when they play Utah. Uh, some of these other backs they've had, they've been able to lean on them a little bit in the running game, but also use the quarterback as an extra runner. And that's impacted the game. I think that's where the, the, the health and uncertainty of Nick Wilson this week is really going to play anything because uh, if Arizona just has a running quarterback, uh, they're obviously down to their fourth running back if Nick Wilson can't go. And, uh, and that, that guy is a, a slot receiver that's been converted to running back just in the last couple of games. Um, it makes their offense pretty predictable and it makes them easy to stop. So uh, a lot will depend on what the running back situation looks like because uh, if it ends up being Khalil Tate, whoever it is, even if it's an effective runner at the quarterback position, uh, that really could still make the offense one-dimensional and that could really play into Utah's hand and, and uh, into getting the win. Matt, what are or who are kind of the impact players that maybe Utah fans haven't really heard of but you think could have a big impact on this game for the Wildcats? Well, obviously, a lot depends on what happens with Arizona, but I think one guy offensively to watch is a guy that a uh, sophomore that's been emerging uh, at receiver. Um, Arizona hasn't really thrown the ball if they've liked. Um, they obviously had the issue with Ani Solomon in the first game. Uh, he was not necessarily connecting with all the guys that he wanted, and he got hurt a couple days after that first game. Then it's kind of been a toss-up at, at quarterback. Brandon Dawkins more of a runner, less of a passer. So they'll take out, thrown into that situation. Had a couple touchdown passes, but that's not what he's known for. So um, the receivers haven't gone going like they've liked, but one guy to watch is, is Sean Brown. Uh, he's from Shreveport, Louisiana. He's a sophomore. Um, he played last season as a freshman, but really kind of had some struggles, but he was able to get on the field. And this year, he kind of surprised some people in camp. Um, came out as a starter in the slot uh, over a couple guys who, who had some more experience. Uh, so that had a, a lot of people kind of scratching their heads, wondering why the coaching staff uh, had him start in the slot over these other guys that had more experience. And uh, once the season started, we, we really got to see why. And, uh, he's really consistent. He has good hands. Um, he can make plays after the catch. And right now he's Arizona's leading receiver as a sophomore. Um, he's not putting up staggering numbers, but uh, he's the guy to keep an eye on. And then defensively, uh, a guy to watch is, is Tristan Cooper. Um, he's a freshman, a true freshman. They picked up really, really late in the process. They didn't get around to offering him until January. Got him in on a late visit. Uh, we're able to get him in. He's a taller safety. Um, he started a couple games, and he's coming around. And uh, he's a guy to watch, along with Demetrius Lennigan Fowl, um, another safety that they have back there. And those two guys are at positions that can really do some damage defensively if they're, if they're really running right. Um, again, injuries have really decimated that defensive side of the ball. So it'll be interesting to see how they come together. But those are two safeties. Their safety spots are really kind of action positions and really – uh, can get turnovers and make tackles and really do a lot of different things. So those are a couple guys to watch on defense. And then before we let you go, I just got to ask you, what do you think Arizona needs to do to get out of Salt Lake with a victory? Uh, to me, it really centers around running the ball, which is which is interesting because they're, they're um, again, going back to the injuries, they have some things they're going to have to figure out. This week. Um, I know there's always been talk about potentially playing a guy like Khalil Tate uh, as a running back, he's never done it before, but he's got the body type where he could potentially help Arizona at that position. Now that they burned his red shirt, uh, they're going to have to use him in some way. So I think a lot is going to depend on Khalil Tate, uh, how he's going to work in this offense. If he, if he ends up being the quarterback, obviously he presents them with a running threat. And I think that's the, that's the big key for Arizona. If they can run the ball, they'll be in a game. I mean, they can, they can work around not passing it as much, but if they can't run the ball, uh, if they, they've got issues. And I think, um, a lot depends on what's going to happen with them, but I think for them, it starts with uh, being good up front with the offensive line and running, being able to run the ball. I think that's their key to, to getting the win. Perfect, Matt. Thanks so much for coming on. Again, you can check him out at goazcats.com. It's part of the, the Rivals family. And Matt, I know a lot of Utah fans 
Uh, they like to kind of follow, you know, the media with the team that they're playing. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, and my handle is at at goazycats, M-A-T-P-G-O-A-Z-C-A-T-S. And uh, you can follow our Instagram uh, at goazycats. Awesome. Matt, thanks so much. We'll talk to you later, right? Sounds good. Thank you. All right. So I think Matt had some great things to say about Arizona. Scott, I really liked your question about what they're doing to Utah because we can't beat them in four years. Well, uh, but, you know, Matt Matt gave some really good insight on their personnel, their injuries, and kind of what they're facing. If, If there's ever a year for us to finally beat Rich Rod, if we don't do it this year, we we may never do it. They're down to their third string quarterback, who they just pulled off of a redshirt year. Uh, they're on potentially their fourth string running back, who really is a slot receiver. I mean, they're still averaging just under two hundred fifty yards rushing a game. So so far this season, as Matt alluded to, a lot of that comes from the quarterback, not just the running backs. This is a must win. Vegas has this, uh, Utah's a nine-point favorite, so we we better win by two scores going away because they're depleted, we're at home, we need this game desperately. They're really, there's no excuses. We've got we've to stop the run, and we've got to put the ball in the end zone. We, we, you're right, we do need this game, and I'm interested to see how the team comes out after that loss last week, if there's going to be a hangover effect or if they're going to come out and just be and be fired up and say, you know, let's we're going to go after this and we got to get it. So Arizona comes in two or three of the year. Uh, really, their only wins is against uh, Grambling State and Hawaii. They just lost to UCLA, forty-five to twenty-four. Uh, Scott, you alluded Utah uh, was a nine-point favorite. It's now moved on October third. It's moved to ten points for Utah. So Ryan. Who do you have in this game, and what's the score you're taking? I've got the Utes winning at home by 10 points, 27-17. And Scott? All right, I, uh, I'm i going to keep predicting it till it happens. We're going to finally have a good offensive showing. We're going to put up 41, 41-26, final score. If you believe it, it'll happen eventually. <laughs> I'm a firm believer. I think Utah wins 24 to 17. So we like to end every podcast picking three games from the Pac-12. Our standings on the season right now, Scott and Ryan are tied at 7 and 5 uh, with Scott going 3 and 0 last week and I'm one game behind at 6 and 6. So let's get it started. We have 21 Colorado at USC with USC favored by 4 and a half. Ryan, who are you taking? As well as Colorado has played, I think they get brought back down to earth in this game being at USC. I'm going with the Trojans. Scott? Yeah, I'm going to go with USC as well. I think uh, this fairy tale ride has been fun for Colorado. And uh, don't get me wrong, I think they're a really good team. But I think USC with uh, Darnold in there, I think they're, I think they're figuring some things out. They're still USC. Um, I am going to go USC. USC really impressed me this past weekend, laying the smack down. With Darnold in there, they seem to really turn a corner. I think they keep it going. Colorado's still a good team, but I think the Trojans get away with the victory. All right, in our second game, UCLA at Arizona State, where UCLA opened up as a four-point favorite, 
And, you know, again, of Monday night, the third, it's moved to a 10-point favorite for UCLA. So, Ryan, who are you taking? As much as I'd, I'd like and we need Arizona State to win, their quarterback being questionable after being injured, I, I'm going to go with UCLA. Scott, who are you taking? It's against my uh, better judgment to ever pick anything ASU, so I'm going to... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, UCLA. I think they're rolling. Um, you know, the status of the quarterback for uh, for the Devils is up in the air. For all those same reasons, I'm taking UCLA. I really think Arizona State, if they're healthy, I, I think they can pull out a victory here. But being dinged up like that, I think UCLA comes away with it. And our last one, Washington State at number 15, Stanford. Or Stanford's a seven and a half favorite. Ryan, who are you taking? And Washington State's starting to play well, scoring some points. But Stanford's coming off of that blowout. They're going to be mad, and it's a home. I'm going to go with the trees. <laughs> Ryan's still in my line for Stanford. Scott, who are you taking? This is going to be a good game. Contrasting styles. Stanford's going to be out for blood. Um, but I think I think uh, Washington State's starting to put it together. Um, I'm going to take a flyer. I'm going to go Washington State. So I agree with you. I'm taking Washington State in this game. Oh, so it looks like Ryan's the one that can't get off the fence. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) We all take the same teams except for you two changed on the very last, and I'm the fence sitter. (laughs) Got to go with those favorites. (laughs) No, shut up. (laughs) Like you two did on the first two games? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to, uh, because of this pick, I'm going to overtake you this week. We go 3-0 for the second week in a row. We'll see about it. All that. right, Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. That's Drum. The letter N, Feather. And Scott, where can people follow you on Twitter? You can find me at uh, Uteman underscore forever. That is Uteman underscore forever. All right, you can follow me at Twitter, iTunes, Stitcher, Instagram at Utah Man Podcast, and as well as at our home at utahmanpodcast.com. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. Kayai will be till I die. Kayai. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. Field goals don't cut it in the end zone. Well, Wait, what they don't you want to requote that? <laughs> yeah, they don't what? cut it in the end zone. All right, let me say it again. Do do we do we lead the country in um, blocks in the back on punt returns? <laughs> <laughs> Ten need points a, isn't. We that need a blowout. Close? We need a blowout. Whittingham, are you listening? I'm blow, sure he is. <laughs> blow these guys out. You home? remember Major League where Dorn comes over to uh, Vaughn on the mound? Strike this guy out. (laughs) I pass him in the bathroom after lunch. He goes, Scott told me to tell you he's a better singer than you. (laughs) (laughs) Why am I not surprised? (laughs) There ain't no sunshine when she's gone. When she's gone, I don't know where. I don't know where the offense is going to go. I hate Scott. (laughs) 
It would be a night if you if you didn't say that. I wouldn't be doing my job. <laughs>